Hello and welcome to Mastermind Growth, where we share the wisdom, the stories and the insights from business owners. My name is John Cassidy-Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host for this week's podcast. I'm your local Federation of Small Businesses membership advisor, meeting and supporting business owners from all industries. Today we have Joanna with us. Hello, Joanna. Hello. Thanks for joining us and taking the time out to do this. No, thank you for having me. All right, excellent. So tell us about your business, Joanna. Um, it's a business in two halves, I guess, uh, all about performance, but one is focused at the workforce level, one focused at the individual level. So for the workforces, um, I like to call myself a workforce architect. So helping organizations design their perfect workforce. What's the skill set? What's the mindset? Where do they get them from? How long do they keep them? Should they keep them permanent? Should they keep them temporary? All that kind of stuff. And then on the individual level, um, uh, one-to-one or group coaching, focusing on the psychology of performance. So things like stress and confidence when they get in our way. Wow, important stuff for sure. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So before we find out more about that, I always love to hear your story. Are you happy to share some of your journey with us? I am, yes. So I left school with really rubbish A-levels. And back when I left school, you didn't go to university unless you had something fairly decent. So I joined the Navy because I didn't know what else to do, quite frankly. Uh, 23 years later, um, I finally kind of went, oh, I wonder if I should try something else. So I got to about the age of 40 and it was kind of, you know, stay in the Navy forever or go and do something else. And if I'm going to go, then I need to go now to make sure I've got enough time to kind of prove that I can do that, you know, years left kind of thing. And then I became a management consultant because it felt broadly like being a naval officer. You don't need to know the subject matter detail. You just need to be able to convince people to do things uh, that they might not necessarily want to do. That felt like a, a perfect fit. And I did that for four years. And then I discovered during the course of that, that the bit I liked most was coaching clients. So whenever you're doing a consulting assignment, you, you, you're invited to come in and fix something, but invariably you need to fix also the person that asked you to come in and fix something. Uh, so you'd then be working with the client to coach them in order to kind of be able to make a success of the new thing that they'd asked you to do. And I discovered that that was the bit I preferred most rather than the fixing something. So that's where I decided to, to set up business on my own and focus on that really. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I often find with the armed forces, there's a um, really beneficial mindset that comes from being in any of the armed forces. Yeah. And, and I think if you've not been in it before, what it surprises people is actually how flexible it is and how open-minded a lot of the approaches yeah. is taking. Yeah, yeah. I get I get quite a lot of stereotypes. So I met somebody just the other day who said, well, I know that you're bossy because you're ex-military, which always makes my left eyebrow raise because there's a stereotype, right? That the only thing we're good at is telling people what to do and shouting at them a lot. And actually, um, certainly for my sake, I, I was, you know, lucky enough to do quite a lot of study in and around the topic of leadership. And it's not just shout, shout, shout again. You know what I mean? And that was never sort of my style particularly. But um it's amazing how many people think that it might be. Yeah. Well, I think, go back to the stereotypes of the armed forces, it's kind of thinking like they're very regimented, but in fact, they're mm. often on the cutting edge of psychological techniques within leadership. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, definitely so. So the whole, um, you know, understanding people's why, that was something we were doing, you know, years back when I remember, you know, particularly problematic members of my team I'd be curious, you know, scratching my head, what's going on for them? Why are they presenting this way? You know, what's kind of going on in their background? Or, and you used to find yourself as a, as a naval officer, you know, being part social worker as well as, you know, a leader kind of thing, because you'd be trying to figure out what was going on for them and why they were showing up the way that they were. 
Ah, that sounds fascinating. And I could stay on this subject all day. Right. So, <laughs> so I guess we're going to find a bit more about um, as you talk about what, what you do and some of the challenges you've come across. Yeah, so um, my my portfolio is really varied, which I really enjoy. So, um, uh, you know, one minute I might be helping a franchise figure out how to leave without authority. Um, uh, the next minute I might be helping somebody kind of um, recapture their confidence that they had in their youth that seems to have evaporated for some reason. Um, invariably, I work a lot with uh, people who are suffering with stress and perhaps getting to the point of burnout. So trying to intervene before they get to that stage and kind of put in some coping mechanisms and also understand what's driving them towards that stress. You know, what's what's causing that for them? Um, I help people understand their leadership style. I call it a leadership shadow. So, you know, what what shadow do you cast as a leader? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Is it helping plants thrive and grow or is it causing things to die off? Um, Gosh, what else do I do? Um, helping pe- people be good at sales when they think sales is a bit grubby. Do you know what I mean? Those kind of things. Right, yes. That, I'm sure there's lots of business owners listening to this going, <laughs> I wonder what sort of shadow I cast. Tick, yes. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> so so what would be some of the kind of key, so let's start with key mistakes that some maybe some business owners or leaders have and what's the e- easy way to start to improve those areas? So one of the things I see quite a lot, particularly for business owners who've started off perhaps in fairly small, either on their own or with a really small team, is um, the bigger the team, the harder it is to delegate, the harder it is to step away from all the activities. And, and for me, that's where you start to see some of the stress coming in, because they're basically trying to do everything. And, you know, funny old thing is not going so well. And then they're applying more stress because it's not going well and so on and so forth. So the key thing for that is about how do you build trust in the capability of the people around them and how do you encourage them to realize that spending what feels like double the time now to help somebody do the job is going to save you triple, quadruple, whatever the next one after that is, you know, in in the future in terms of you not having to do it. So I often see business leaders going, oh, just give it here. When actually, if they just spent a bit more time going, this is what I'm after, this is the vision in my head, this is what I'd like you to do, it would reap dividends further on down the line. So sort of building trust and learning to delegate, really. So investing that time up front when maybe you have little time can actually save you so much time down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stress. And actually, um, you know, I, I talk quite seriously about how bad stress is for our performance. It's a real massive detractor. And I think sometimes we we lose sight of how we're performing. We think we're fine and actually we're probably not. And the other thing is if, particularly if we're leaders of people, the worse we're behaving, the more likely is we're being bad leaders, which means we're helping other people underperform as well. So it becomes like a ripple in a pond. You know what I mean? I'm performing badly and so are the people around me. Yes. It makes such a difference from the mindset of the leader or the, the founder of any company, their values yeah. show up throughout the company and their behavior does. It really does. So one of the tools that I use in sort of helping leaders understand their style is um, it puts you on a scale, you know, almost like a didactic scale. So, you know, are you a real freak um, or are you like, you know, crack on, do whatever you like and no answer's right. It's just how your style shows up and what suits the situation and what kind of fits what it is that you're trying to achieve. And also the extent to which you can reach into other styles when it's appropriate. So, for example, if the building's on fire, that very directive get out is often very helpful in a, in a slightly more creative environment. Actually, that directive style is totally non-conducive to success. Yeah. And I like what you said, there's no, no one right way of doing it. There's, no, there's the culture that is formed within the company. 
Yeah, and um, uh, a lot of the research says that the culture is created from the various, you know, the combination of the leadership styles of the people in charge. So if there's one person in charge, the, le- the culture will invariably be their leadership style. If there's a combination of styles, you get a combination of, of factors in the culture. But there's something like, I'll, I'll try and get the stats, it's something like 70% of a, an organization's culture is attributable to the leadership style of the organization. And 70% of the organization's performance is attributed to the, to the culture of an organization. So there's a direct line of sight between a, a leader's style and the per- financial performance of their company. Wow. So, <laughs> so if we, let's say we're a business and we're sort of um, starting off and we're maybe a solopreneur and mm. we, we suddenly find ourselves in a sales ro- role. What are some of the tips you have around selling? Um, so I think if you feel like selling is a little bit grubby or a bit pushy, maybe think of yourself as a sales consultant. Um, so a consultant is somebody who helps people. They're problem solvers. They're not about here's my solution or do you want to buy a watch? You know, it's more about um, what's going on for you. What could be a good fit for you? What could be working? What could we do about that? And I think often when I'm speaking to people who have a problem with selling, approaching it from a more consultancy, more curious, more questioning, almost more coaching style really, often reaps dividends because then the sale happens naturally. It's not like you go, here's my product, please buy it. You're kind of encouraging the client to open up to you and then you'll find a nice way to make your product fit or they'll choose your product because you've done that exploratory conversation. So kind of a coaching consultancy style, I think for me works really well. So it boils down to having a conversation where you're interested in the other person and finding a way to help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, you know, everyone likes talking about themselves, right? So the easiest thing you can do is just ask somebody loads of questions. Excellent. Excellent. Which nice is that we've, uh, we started off talking about cliches within sort of the armed forces. There's also cliches from selling. Yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think people, um, what's that expression? Nobody likes to be sold to, but everyone likes to buy. Yes. You know, it's the, the feeling that you're still in charge of the conversation, whether you are or you aren't, you know, that's just a perception thing. But, you know, feeling like you're making some choiceful choices, I think is the key thing that everybody wants to feel like they are. Right. And what were some of your personal tips from your experience of running your own business that you could share with us? So one of the things, I mean, when I was thinking of this question, right, I was thinking, what on earth could I add to the pile of knowledge about running a business that hasn't come from, you know, generations before me? Um, so I'm pretty sure whatever I say, everyone will go, yeah, yeah, I heard that one before. But for me, um, it was about managing your revenue while you're managing your revenue, if that makes sense. So I had a slug of cash behind me when I started my business and I started to do some associate work to sort of like bring in the money while I was building my business. So I didn't ever have to, you know, coach somebody I didn't want to or put myself in a situation that, you know, I'd rather not. And what I realized was not only must you never underestimate the amount of money it takes to set up a business that gives you that freedom to never panic buy, but allows you also to use experts. So my, I'm on my third iteration of my website. The first one I did myself, awful. The second one I got somebody else to do on the cheap, not, you know, only one degree away from awful. And then finally I've got somebody who's going to, you know, who's done it properly. So I think having the money to invest, not just in the tools that will make you more compelling, but also take away that pressure of needing to buy now. Um, Conversely, what I found was I was spending so much of my time managing my revenue by doing this associate work. I took my eye off my own business so my revenue suffered, which kind of sounds ironic, right? So that I was, I was getting revenue over here when what I really wanted was revenue from over here. Wow. Yeah, I think that's, that's good because it's so easy to start off to say yes to any opportunity. 
Yeah. And very much you... so. You're frightened of saying no. Yes. And then it just it puts you in positions where you're you either become known for something that maybe is not your passion. Uh, you know, so oh, well, you, you do that for so-and-so, why wouldn't you do it for me? And they're like, well, I don't really want to. Yeah. Um, or you just get distracted. And, and actually the work, the work, and I do mean the work of building your business is then kind of sidelined to you worrying about bringing the money in. Yes. Uh, that's my biggest learning. Wow. So Joanna, is there somebody listening to this and maybe they've got a team of people and they want to get the right mindset or they're looking for some coaching to move on to the next level. Mm. How would they contact you? Well, um, I live in the bowl of Whiteley where there's no mobile reception. So email is probably the best, quite <laughs> frankly. And then I'll figure out how to call you back using VoIP. Um, but yes, either, I think there's the contact form on my website or I think there's an email address on my website uh, to get in contact with me. Um, my business name is, it doesn't trip off the tongue, regrettably, but it's Limitless Peak Performance. Um, uh, I think I'm the only one that you'll find on there, you know, the performance coaching. Um, and there's a, there's a few bits on my website, which talk about, you know, whether it's team coaching, individual coaching, you know, group coaching, uh, whatever that might be a couple of different ways that we can kind of fix some of those team dynamics. Excellent. And we'll put some links on our website to yours. So it makes it easier for people to find you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Rather than trying to remember how to spell limitless. Yes. Performance. <laughs> uh, thank you ever so much for sharing your story and your part of your journey with us and um, your tips welcome. and your insights. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. No, thanks, John. It's been a pleasure. Excellent. Joanne, if you happen to know of any other business owners or entrepreneurs that benefit from being on the show, please do let me know. I shall. And this has been a podcast by business owners for business owners. And until next time, see you soon. Bye then, Joanna. Bye-bye. The Federation of Small Businesses with practical help for business owners such as FSP Payments, fast, secure and reliable card machines to fit your business. Exclusive discounts available for FSB members, including reduced minimum monthly service charges, authorization fees, as well as up to six months free terminal rental with no joining fees. Any questions, contact me at john.cassidy-rice at fsb.org.uk.